Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Middle of the Penn State football season already. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We are doing a whole bunch of new and fun things here on the BWI Daily Edition. Some things are being shuffled around, and I'll explain all of it once we get into the Daily Show today. But here's the deal. What's happening is we're mixing things up a little bit. Normally, we would have our mailbag show on Thursday, but today we're having it on Wednesday. And the reason, coming up next. BWI Daily Mailbag means Nate Bauer joins us. Nate, good afternoon. Senior editor of Blue White Illustrated. How are you doing? Welcome back. I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm I'm good. I have to admit. So so Nate was at a wedding. He's out of the country and mm-hmm. uh, for a fancy destination wedding. I had such a hard time not texting you all of my thoughts leading up to the Penn State Purdue game. So I'm glad you're back and I can just pester you with, hey, I was thinking about this. Yeah. Well, you know, look, let's be real. Everything that we said would happen did happen. So (laughs) let's just congratulate ourselves on being really, really well prepared. No, I'm kidding. Uh, But no, mostly. Um, Yeah. No, it was it was it was fun to see, uh, you know, kind of our hard work off a little bit uh in how that game played out so moving forward we'll see what happens this week ohio and go from there we'll get into some of that today but most of your questions center around purdue game one and a uh, debrief of where to freak out where not to freak out and where to be encouraged that's a lot of the questions today uh a couple more housekeeping notes before we get into the show first off make sure you like the video helps us out a lot here on youtube Um, and it is critical to beating the almighty algorithm. We must bow to the almighty algorithm to maintain our place on the internet. So hit the like button if you're watching the video. Let's get to 500. That's our goal every video, 500 likes. So make it happen because I know we can do that. Secondly, uh, and I think this is a good time to announce this, the reason we're moving the daily mailbag show to Wednesday is because we have a brand new guest coming up for Thursdays on uh, the show, I'm actually going to get going, but you're staying, Nate. So tell everybody what's going on with the show coming up tomorrow. Yeah, a a permanent guest in new Blue White Illustrated publisher, Sean Fitz, will, uh, will be pairing up with me. Sean and I have been buddies for decades, all of our lives. And uh, now we started working together back in 2006, maybe. And so we've got a long history together, good friends, professional colleagues here, and, uh, you know, hoping to hoping to bring a good, informative Penn State chat to the masses uh, on on a podcast. So it it, genuinely uh, Fitz and I have been trying to get on a podcast together despite working at different outlets for a long time so now yeah. we we finally get to, to make it happen i'm sure it's going to be terrible 
but um, <laughs> I think. Well, no, don't worry. I'm still, as of now, I'm still the producer. I'm the executive producer of the show, so I will definitely keep you guys in line, which Great. is something I'm capable of doing. Yeah, yeah. Can you are are you able to like in the earpiece, Nate, stop talking? Is that? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to set up and maybe I'll just text you because I'd, yeah. I'd love to have that in the ear. Uh, yeah. mo moving to camera two now. But no, uh, so that's going to be a ton of fun. I'm excited for that show. So just to recap for everyone, uh, Sean is going to be on a recruiting show on Tuesdays moving forward and Thursdays. And there's more there's likely more to come. So stay yeah. tuned to that. And there might be some changes to the schedule of the show. We're figuring all this out. I was trying to say this before the season without saying this before the season. There's going to be a lot of changes. There's going to be a bit of a bumpy road before we get into a rhythm with all the new uh, faces and all the exciting new stuff going on in the season. So to all of our regulars who are watching right now, uh, thank you. And, uh, you know, I'll do my best to keep you abreast of what's going on with the show and when we get to it. So all that out of the way, let's actually get to people's questions because that's what they're here for. Now, we are on a bit of a schedule today, so... Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get our full hour of questions in. So to that side of things, uh, thank you to everyone who submitted. But we're only going to be able to go with uh, people who are asking questions on the Lions Den message form. No, uh, no live questions today. No, uh, unfortunately, and I'm sorry for everyone who's in the chat who wants to know things about the game. We will be doing that at some point in the future. But today, because of our time crunch, we're going with just the people at the Blue White Illustrated message board. And even then, I didn't get to all your questions. I'll be answering those in the chat. So let's get to it, Nate. Let's get our first question up here. Curious on your thoughts of Joel Klatt's assertion that Penn State should start the running backs further back in the backfield to get them up to speed prior to the handoff. I think he was reading the message board, Nate, of they need momentum going forward. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you caught that in the game necessarily, but this is a common theme when it comes to Penn State, the running game, some of the issues. What are yeah. your thoughts about that? No, I mean, I, I will 100% defer to you on this one, it, mostly from the sense of uh, it, it doesn't seem to me to be a running back issue as much as it is a a totality issue, right? It, yeah. You're, you've, you've got to be patient enough to let your holes develop on the offensive line and yep. then be fast enough to hit it in that fraction of a second that the hole opens. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I thought I thought that Penn State more or less got away from the run in the second half of the game. Yeah, um, yeah, that's they, right. Yeah, you know, and so and so what I thought I saw out of certainly Katron Allen, certainly Nick Singleton in the bits and pieces that we got in the first half, I, I thought was promising. I, I'll be surprised yeah. if they don't have a pretty good day on Saturday against the. Oh, for sure. I, I believe that strongly to be the case because as James Franklin talked about on his press conference on Tuesday, talking about the running game for the most part, the offensive line was good. There are some opportunities for big plays. Just like he mentioned last year, we talked about this ad nauseum when you have a one-on-one -on -one opportunity yep. in the secondary, you've got to make that player miss. And at that point you've had nine yards to get up to speed. Yep. So there's a couple layers to this. First off, we had the conversation after the game of, do they need to abandon running from the shotgun? And the timing of the plays was fine. So the reason you're in, there's a couple, we're going to get into some of this a little bit later of the scheme stuff, but 
um, the timing of the play where the blockers are getting into the hole and the running back is reading it and he's making his move, the, the timing of that was all great. There was nothing wrong with that. As you mentioned, the decisiveness and the understanding between impatience and action. I, I think that that is an area where these young running backs, especially Singleton, can improve that of, okay, there's the hole, now run hard. Because yep. it seemed to me there was a little bit of tentativeness to start the game. Um, and, and when it comes to lining up deeper, one area I might agree with this is Penn State was running from under center, single back, two tight ends, three tight ends with Singleton. They even threw in a couple sweep plays to have him be comfortable. Which he likes, yeah. Which he likes, which he's used to from his previous offense. He's very good reading those blocks, setting them up, and hitting the hole. He did a good job, but he only got a couple of those plays. So when it comes to how you use certain players, I think if they featured him more in a single back, single back set where he's more comfortable dotting the eye seven yards deep, I think that's fine. You know, I think that adjustment isn't radically changing anything or changing your playbook. The second thing is, I noticed this. They did have the running backs lined up a half a yard to a yard behind the quarterback in the shotgun. So Clatt talking about that and how that Purdue did that with King Daru. King Daru also had a downhill mentality. Like he's an older player. He's more confident. If you wanted those guys to run like that, I just, that's the thing that you and I talked about of how quickly can Singleton and Katron Allen get up to speed on a college offense yeah. out of the gate. And th those yeah. are the, these are the areas where that is a thing. I mean, and and also, I, I think that there's a balance for, uh, certainly for me, I don't know about you, but of viewing things with an, an optimistic lens on the, the behalf of the freshman in the sense of, it looked to me that Kevon Lee was still kind of slow. <laughs> <laughs> and still and still yep. kind of and still kind of gang tackled I, I yeah. like that's kind of where I stand on this is it looked to me as though both Singleton and Allen were were a hair away right yes. from from yes. home run like yep. though it it looked like that was a possibility where with Lee that wasn't really and and look like Lee has his place. We you you've seen that. <laughs> I mean, he you, saw, game. you we, saw it at the he, end of the game, right? Yeah, like that. There is absolutely a role for him. There is absolutely something that he can do. I just think that it, in terms of home runs, which is what they want, they, yep. they don't talk about it all the time. But it, you know, explosives isn't necessarily fifteen yards. That's not what they're looking for. They're looking for eighty. And I yep. I thought that it looked to me as though both Allen and Singleton had those opportunities that with just a, a, a fraction of a second, you know, different choice or, or different move, uh, yeah. they would have been able to break into that open space and go. So there, there was a couple of opportunities in the game and I'll, I'll describe them for that are that come to mind of exactly what you're talking about. Purdue was gambling what they decided to do. And this is where teams get, I think with Penn state is don't let them establish a running game. Just don't let them do it and do everything you can to stop them from doing that, not because it's dangerous, but because you can put everything on Clifford then. Um, they were sending their corner into the gap on some of Penn State's gap schemes. So you have a point of attack where you're trying to run the football. And 
what I've always thought is kind of funny and a little frustrating is like in a power or a gap scheme where you're, you're pulling linemen to the point of attack, you want to shove 600 extra pounds into a three feet hole. Penn State was doing that. And for a couple of reasons, but what Purdue was doing is they were knifing their corner in underneath those blocks to flush the running back, you know, to corral them in the backfield, to get those negative tackles. What happens though, is then there's no contained player. So they are trying to bounce to the outside. And this happened to both Singleton and Catron Allen, where if they bounce it and they're outside, there's nobody left. Purdue was making that gamble and they both got tackled by an arm around the ankles. So when you're a hair away, you're a hair away. And I don't know that everyone's going to do what Purdue did, but they sold out to stop the run schematically and they gambled and it paid off. Is that going to happen in the future? Yeah. I mean, I, that's what they're selling these guys. (laughs) Yeah. Is, is you're going to get, you're going to get three shots at that. You got to hit on one of them uh, at at least. And and so we'll, you know, we'll see how that goes moving forward. Uh, This one's interesting. This is for you because I don't know that I have a great answer on this, but it is, I thought this was a valid question. Seabird says, uh, can you explain the rationale of the Big Ten and I suppose other conferences imposing limitations of the size of roster travel for away games? Mm-hmm. Fundamental problem with the policy is that it immediately provides an additional home field advantage to the one built in for the home team. Is this the issue of the cost incurred by the visiting team? Uh, probably a marginal cost at most. And so what is at the heart of what he thinks is an outdated policy? Is that fair? How do you feel about travel size and travel rosters now that these big media deals are coming in and everyone's flush with cash in the Big Ten? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Uh, I I don't see it necessarily as a huge fa- factor. I mean, it, the, like the number I've been doing this for eighteen years. The number of times that I can recall Penn State you know, going through its depth chart to the point where they, they have very few options in yeah. a travel situation is is none that I can think of off the top so of my head. Let me ask you this, and this will we'll get to this in a couple questions talking about the receivers. A couple players, notable players that we didn't see on the field. Um, and I think this is correct, because I Izzard, Smith Vilbert, Malik Mega. None of them played in the game. Uh, and they were, uh, were they on the travel roster? Does that limit yeah. you have to make decisions about, we can't bring nine defensive tackles, even though at a home game, we might get in eight. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there was some question as to whether or not Malik mega appeared as a gunner on special teams. Okay. And that's the part I was not sure of because yeah. he did not show up on offense. Yeah. But no, I, I look. I, my guess is that teams probably aren't a huge proponent of traveling with more. Like I, I would think that that would be internally probably the perspective of hey, it, it's it's hard enough to travel like these these travel parties as they are. Once you're taking yeah. the doctors and the trainers and all of these other people. Um, that are that are like I'm pretty sure that the plane is maxed out as it is, right? Yeah. So do you want do you want to take a next step and change that? I mean, you know, certainly, yeah. You know, maybe that's something down the road where they would look at expanding it by five or you know some something in the single digits. But yeah, uh, I, I don't see it as particularly 
uh, pressing issue. No, no one has ever, ever, ever brought that up to me as brought that, that up that they they didn't bring they couldn't bring enough good players and they were yeah. limited because they oh man we couldn't bring our our sixth corner on the. That makes a lot of sense. And to clean that up, Malik Mega did play in the game on special teams. He was a core special teamer with 11 snaps between kick return and kick coverage, according to PFF. So even then, you know, Malik Mega not showing up on offense is not a an issue of not having enough players or not having yep. enough roster spots. Yep. So who, in your opinion, steps into the plate in the number four and number five receiver position? Surprise, Mega didn't get any reps against Purdue in the game. What was your read of that? And a, and a guy that surprised me, I think you brought this up before the game was, uh, or somebody did, uh, about uh, Amari Evans. Yeah. And I was surprised to see him in the game, considering how raw he is as a receiver coming over from playing quarterback in high school. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to call it a mess, but I'm, I'm going to call it a mess. They, they just have a little bit of a mess on their hands after really the top two, right? And Keandre Lambert-Smith played that out in the game. He, he was he was what he is, which is inconsistent. Yeah. He, he had problems catching the ball and then made, you know, arguably one of the defining plays of the game with that touchdown. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, two, that three, four, and five will pretty continuously be shuffling through the course of the season. I think that Trey Wallace has made a move. He, he has at least established himself as kind of a number four. Um, and yeah, Omari Evans, Caden Saunders was another receiver that was there, but didn't play. Um, you know, I, I think that they're going to, they're going to experiment. Isn't the right word, but just, just keep plugging, right. Just keep, yeah. keep giving opportunities where you can give opportunities and see who steps to the forefront because so far, they just they, they haven't had that uh, through through obviously through spring and even fall camp. Do you think that it's going to be an issue or do you think that, as we talked about before the season, there's enough depth that one of these players is going to step up and, and if not be consistent, at least be a guy that is. And I think everyone appreciates what Saeed Blacknall represented of the guy that maybe he's not the leader on your team and catches, but when you throw him the football, good things happen. Yeah. I, I think that Keandre will end up uh, emerging slightly, but I think drops are going to be an issue. I, I don't yeah. think that was a one-off honestly. With the whole group uh, it, or with him? With, with the whole group, with the whole group, not, not necessarily Parker, I, you know, I yeah. think, I think, you know, obviously he had to drop it. It happens. It's not. Um, he had two last season. His first one came, I think, in the first game and then the second one in the Auburn game. And then he didn't drop another one the rest of the season. Yeah. So he does a couple of them. He does a year. Yeah. But uh, Tinsley is Tinsley. I, I thought that he was excellent and yep. probably could have had a better game than he did. Um, and, and and Parker, I like I think that you can count on those two guys, but. Uh, just bluntly, enough time has elapsed where the notion that someone is just going to click and be shorthanded yeah. and catch everything that's thrown their way at this point is is a, a fantasy. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. So yeah, we're going to see. We're going to see. They're going to have their opportunities, though, and they're going to have to maximize them when they can. Our next question here is from uh, Mott. Y K A Mati Ka 97. 
Do you think the continuous rotation will continue at so many positions? So mm-hmm. receiver check. We got that. Yep. If yep. all goes as planned this week, the rotation could work against Ohio, but uh, he thinks, or she thinks I should say finding a rhythm on the field is important, especially at the running back position. So I want to handle that part at running back separate, but the overall rotation at all the positions, James Franklin has made that pretty clear. That's yep. going to happen. Yep. No, he, it, 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 it's not even a telegraphed message at this point. He, he is saying it out loud. They yeah. are, it, it is a scar tissue in their heads that they got what happened last season was a result of not preparing depth the way that they needed to in the early part of the season. Yeah. Um, they, they knew what was coming. The, it, it was a combination of a bunch of factors. The schedule certainly played into it. But in general, they didn't work hard enough to develop that depth and it ended up biting them and burning them down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, I, I would highly anticipate it, First of all, Manny Diaz on defense wants to do it anyway. He came yep. from Miami doing that. So that's, that's one side of the ball. And then on the, on the offensive side of the ball, and I actually kind of think this is interesting. There is, there is this level of play where they can look honestly and objectively at what they have on the roster and say, man, a lot of good pieces, yep. a lot of really good promising pieces that haven't separated themselves from the others at the position. I think yep. you're going to see that at tight end for the duration of the season. I think you're going to see that at receiver after those top two. I think you're going to see that at running back through the course of the season. I, I like, yep. I just, I don't envision those things changing. I mean, the offensive line, I think, is what it is for the most part. But you're talking about a good a good portion of the offense that is going to see a lot of turnover, a lot of a lot of shuffling interchangeable pieces that are going to get playing time this season. Yeah, the in the running back position specifically, I look at this two ways. I've described it opposite of what Penn State has done of. I think of running backs in in a role, right? So what is your role and how do we get you on the field without pigeonholing you and telegraphing what we're about to do when you step on the football field? But Penn State rotates by series that they're in there the whole time, whether you're running, you know, whether you're good at third down or not. So I I appreciate that of like, we're not going to telegraph that, hey, this is our Devin Ford package or this is our Nick Singleton package that they want every guy to be able to do everything. But going back to what I said about Singleton and and putting him in in specific situations, the other part of where I end up that I kind of agree on the running back rotation thing is that I don't believe necessarily in rhythm. So you don't need to get a rhythm as much as you need to get opportunities because just like when we go with player evaluation, certain things are not going to work out the way you expect. Even a good running team is not going to perfectly block every play. And this is the part I try to stress about football, especially on the offensive line, is that uh, it's hard. (laughs) And (laughs) most running plays, and I'm saying this with confidence as somebody who has uh, charted running plays professionally, of here's this block, here's what this person's supposed to be doing. They didn't do that. That happens at the NFL level. That happens at the at the college level. That happens in football because there are 11 other players who are smart and determined to stop you. So how many times do you win? Multiply that by seven, you know, the players involved in the run game. 
And maybe you'll have two opportunities that are quality opportunities to hit a big play if you're Nick Singleton. And yeah. you make a mistake on one, and the other one goes for nine yards. That's not enough opportunity to give you to break off a big play. Now, that also comes back to, they, as you mentioned, they abandoned the running in, in the second half. They pivoted to what was working for them. So that limits your opportunity as well. So when you have three guys, I do think you need to pare it down a little bit of 1A, 2, and 2B rather than 1A, 1B, 1C. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe, uh, you know, I just, yeah, <laughs> I, it just, it just seems clear to me that they are uh, begging anyone in that. And, and again, it, I, I don't want to frame this the wrong way. I think that they feel very confident about what they have in that room. Yes. But if someone could take a step and separate themselves from the other, I mean, James Franklin said it on Tuesday. He said, look, if, it, if there's a hot hand, they'll ride it. They'll go with it. Yeah. But they just it, that hasn't that hasn't happened uh, in yeah. game one against a team that was determined to stop the run. And they did successfully. So yeah. we'll see what happens this week. So here's a question. This is something I was thinking coming into the game. And I'm glad somebody else had this thought as well. So last year, the preamble from Jup 540. Preamble last year, Wisconsin uh, opened with number 18 ranked Penn State and the underdog. Uh, in the road game against number 12 ranked Wisconsin. Low scoring up to victory row uh, gave hope and promise that Penn State was up for a great season. They were in the top 10 for a few weeks. By the end of the season, everything looked very different from that opening game. Flash forward to this year, Aiden O'Connell, solid quarterback, has an outside shot to represent the West in the Big Ten Championship game. Is this more of the same from last season that this is saying more about these two teams being close rather than these two teams being good. How does this game look at the end of 2022? I mean, Wisconsin was pretty good by the end of last year. And I didn't think that Penn state was bad, but I mean, they, they, yeah, after everything happened sure, but they were number four for a reason uh, in the middle of the season. Uh I, I think that both of those teams are pretty good, honestly. Great. You know, are they, are they going to win the division? Probably not. Yeah. For Penn State and for Purdue. But I, I would be very surprised if Purdue isn't – like, did you see Iowa on Saturday? <laughs> what was it? They have scored you, seven points and won that game? You know, have you watched – Illinois or Minnesota like yeah. it's just that division isn't great and so an offense that can score which I think Purdue can certainly they showed that on on Thursday it yeah. is it is to me probably going to be pretty effective in on that side of the division yeah uh, and, Penn State, and Penn State like I come out of that game saying Penn State scored 35 and gave up 24. And I can live with those numbers for most of the season against teams of that caliber. 
Yeah. And, you know, look at it a different way. They made a good quarterback, a guy who I everyone, whether it's like the underdog respect for Aiden O'Connell of like, oh, he's better than I thought. Or if you get rise to the level of he's a good quarterback, I respect him. Most people that talk about Aiden O'Connell that have watched and are informed about the, uh, you know, Penn State or the Purdue offense are impressed by Aiden O'Connell. That's a good quarterback. And Penn State made him look bad. So that's also a takeaway you can have from the game. It's not just that Aiden O'Connell played poorly. He was forced, whether by reputation or scheme, by Manny Diaz in the defense to not play his best game when we know what he's capable of. So that's also a takeaway you can have from the game. Old Frog 26 is getting into, is T. Frank wrong about Landon Tangwall? And I I want to have this conversation with you. No, I think this is important because I, I, you know, we all have our, places we might have our blinders so mm-hmm. T, he, old frog asked t frank you know that you believe landon tangle is better suited to the interior of the o-line heard it several times basically shut up about it is what he's saying just kidding <laughs> however i do not understand why he's not consider for uh, in consideration for right tackle played there previously held his own as an 18 year old he's big strong please don't tell me he doesn't have long enough arms he doesn't have long enough arms that's the answer but I'll go into detail. Can you break it down for me in specifics of why he's not a solid tackle prospect? Thank you in advance. Okay. Arm length is important, but it is not the only factor. And Penn State, and I think most people that evaluate players, when you look at Landon Tangwall, his body size, his dimensions, literally the physical build of him looks like a guard. If you want to just go by purely looks like. Part of that is because the arm length, the ability to extend and to hit a target before the target hits you, that's an area where he is a little bit lacking as a prospect. It actually was a problem during the game, I think, against uh, Branson Dean. He did not win the point of a, uh, the point of contact enough, and he was stood up at the line of scrimmage as a guard. As a tackle... That is going to be accentuated eventually in pass protection. Now, we're talking about two different things here. We're talking about what is his best position if all things are perfect, and what is the position Penn State could use him best at. So I think the coming in, and really the, the plan has been, his long-term success, if he has an NFL future, is going to be a guard. So in his interest and in the interest of the team, play him at guard. But Nate... Mm-hmm. right tackle concerns me. So mm-hmm. I'm reevaluating this too, old frog of yeah. do they need to look elsewhere? Does this is the point of the competition. This is the rant I gave to you earlier. If somebody's not performing, they have the depth Hunter Norzad played well to say, let's see what Tangwall does at right tackle. Is this on the table? And how do you feel about that position after week one, given what we saw? <sighs> I think it's Efner, honestly. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be? And, and and this is this this is not meant to be disrespect, but it is going to sound disrespectful. Is that good enough against the better Big Ten teams? Yeah, I don't. I mean, look, I, I'm always on. I err on the side of you've spent months, literally months preparing with a certain thing, right? Choices have been made. You you maintain flexibility. Yes. Those are, those are all in your back pocket that if needed, you can make those moves. But after one game uh, abandoning Caden Wallace, like I, I just, 
I don't see that. Uh, look, if it, if it continues on and it's a problem moving forward, then sure. I, I guess you have to, to keep your options open and evaluate yeah. as those things go along. But I, I just, uh, it, it, that would very much surprise me, uh, you know, for them, for them to make that move specifically. I, I don't I, like yeah. Drew, now if, if the argument or if the conversation is Olufashanu, something happens to him, what happens at left tackle? Yeah. Now it's a different conversation. Now, now maybe Landon Tengwall moves out to left tackle um, because you have somebody that you can plug in there at left guard and Drew Shelton probably isn't ready to, to just slide right in at left yeah. tackle. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Right. But like at right tackle, I think just based on what I feel like I know and kind of some insights. Yeah. It seems like, it seems like Efner is the guy if Caden Wallace doesn't work out for one reason or another. So are you, so, but that's, that's the question too, is are you as concerned or are you chalking it up to it's one game given what we saw last season and some of those issues immediately presented themselves again yeah. in eerily similar situations when it comes to specific blocks I've pointed out in the past and, you know, true passing situations where he's playing tackle on an Island against guys that truthfully, I don't think are exceptional pass rushers that that yeah. should not have happened on Thursday. Yeah. yeah. I think it could be a problem. I, I th- like, I, I just think that the situation that they have, could be problematic because the thing that is like not discussed, right. It's, it's easy to point to Caden Wallace because he played in that game and you could see it on tape that he had a tough night. But what's not discussed is Landon Tangwall isn't good enough yet. <laughs> so that's the other half of this question was we came into this game and, and the conversation was the competition at right guard. Sal Wormley played the whole game and was the best interior lineman. Like he was everything that James Franklin talked about and that you reported last season before the season of, no, this dude is a difference maker. He was that and on the ground, like where he needs to be. And so the depth and rotation conversation came in at the left guard position and Tangwall, despite a couple of good blocks early, struggled. He struggled yeah. against the run. He struggled as a pass protector. I was not expecting that. It's making me a little nervous about my bold takes before the season about how all of the things he can be. So again, is that a, are we concerned there about the true nature of the depth that we're talking about? I, I Yeah. I mean, I just, I think it's difficult to be really good and consistent on the offensive line early in your career. It's just, it's the exception. It's not the norm. Yeah, there's not. And and so, yeah, like, I I don't want to belabor this and, and turn it into this grand discussion over Phil Troutwine's effectiveness and learning techniques and like right. all that stuff. I, I just think that in when, in terms of evaluating Penn State options, one, uh, the panic feels to me to be premature. I'm not saying that it's not warranted or that it won't come to fruition, but it, it seems a little premature to me yeah. after one game. Uh, and, and two, that the options that you think are plug and play probably aren't. <laughs> yeah. The, right? So the, the, it's, it's the, the surprise of what you thought to be true and what I thought to be true definitely wasn't. And that's always a rude awakening. And you're right. That is the, that's the knee jerk reaction time of to swing too far the other way. Yeah. Um, so that's, 
Thanks for talking me off the ledge there. We'll be we'll be all right. <laughs> it's gonna be uh, okay. Let's get to let's get to can you do two more? Do we have time two for two more? Okay. Two more. One of them I I did not uh get to here. I did not bring up on the show, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Uh, because I know this is a conversation you and I had. Big Brad three five seven on the message board says Porter had a great game. But I felt Keaton Ellis quietly had an outstanding game. Is in the right place at the right time. Several plays. Uh, what are your thoughts on his game and keeping the starting role? You were saying, eh, don't forget about Keaton Ellis for about three weeks heading into the season. And and Big Brad is right. He had a very good game. Wait, I'm sorry. Kalen King or Keaton Ellis? Keaton Ellis. Did I say Kalen King? I thought so at the beginning. No? Keaton Ellis. Yeah, no. Keaton Ellis with the safety. Yeah. Ball. I'm... You know, I mean, I hate to rep the the hometown proud Keaton Ellis State College kid, but yeah, nobody like nobody talked about him. But no, you had a, you had a fine game. Yes, yeah. he's uh, there is a lot to like about Zaki Wheatley. Zaki Wheatley's going to play a ton of football, and I thought that he made again. Th- uh, there were a handful of game defining plays in that game, and Zaki Wheatley made one of them. Yep. Uh, he he will continue to play. He's got a great future. Keaton Ellis has a role. Keaton Ellis yep. has a place in this defense. He has uh, uh, some stability, some uh, veteran savvy, I think, that uh, they look for. Uh, again, yep. I mean, it's just uh, consistency, 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 and Keaton Ellis brings it, I think. Um, and so I, I, I thought that, yeah, one, uh, him starting aligned with, you know, kind of what we said coming through the, the preseason, and then yep. two, having a nice game. I, I thought that that was good for him. And, and, everything really held serve in that situation of Wheatley got a turnover. He forced a turnover and made a couple mental mistakes in coverage. So that held out too. And when it came to, when it came to Ellis, we never really knew what he was. You know, we have not actually seen him play safety all that much. He rotated behind Tig Brown last year, but was very much, you know, the injury in the middle of the season hampered him. And then also just being in a reserve role, you don't get as many opportunities. Here's the other thing, uh, and this is this is something that everyone needs to pay attention to. They were on the field at the same time for a couple of plays. Yeah, Manny Diaz is going to play three or four safeties in some of these packages where Tig Brown is a linebacker, and you're going to have guys in coverage. So it, it's not an either-or. It is not an either-or in this defense. Sneak in this one question from Twitter, Honest J. Paterno, also a member of the, of the Lions Den, by the way. Uh, does the new defensive scheme just make things e- does the new defensive scheme make things easier for CJ Stroud and Ohio State to beat the snot out of Penn State? Pry seemed to be able to have the best at, uh, record against Ohio State over the past seven years. I don't know. I don't know why we're going there. To seems a little early. Seems a little early for that. Um, Nate, that was a very specific plan of attack from Purdue. It is going to yeah. be very different from what Ohio State does, where Ohio State holds on to the football and throws it downfield. So yeah. you might see an entirely different game plan from Manny Diaz in terms of what he wants to do. Some tenants will stay the same, but you're not going to get the uh, you're not going to get the game plan where you get 16 PBUs or 10 or however you count these things yeah. uh, from. Ohio State because they're not going to get the ball out in 2.29 seconds. You're not jumping any routes because you had a cover deep. Yeah, I just think there's going to be too much difference there. Yeah, I, I I also think that 
look, I understand the questions and and some of the the panic I think that's going on about the pass rush from Penn State, but I think that Ohio State opens the door to that possibility yes. of Manny Diaz's defense more so than Purdue did, right? Purdue just takes it out of the game. Just says, okay, we're you know, you're not going to get that opportunity. Um, and, and for the most part, I'm not saying that there weren't any opportunities, but I, I, I think generally that's a fair statement that through the first three and a half quarters of that game, there weren't a ton of chances for Penn State's defensive ends, defensive tackles, yeah. blitzes, what, what have you to, to, to get to the quarterback. Uh, I, I think that that will be different for Ohio State and yeah. open up maybe a few more interception opportunities, but also Ohio State runs the ball. They're good yeah. at it. They run the ball they, now. <laughs> yeah, they they're good. Uh, you know, so we'll, <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, I don't, beat beat the snot out of has not been the case. Yeah, for for, for everything that you want to say about Ohio State, uh, like Michigan actually has destroyed Penn State more yep. than Ohio State has. Right, and yep. and this this in terms of wins losses. That series is more is obviously much more evenly uh, distributed between Michigan and Penn State, but Ohio State and Penn State play each other close just about every year, and I would be fairly surprised. I mean, you know, who knows? That's like yeah. Halloween. I can't <laughs> think that far ahead. I know we have, there, there's so many other games to worry about first, including a trap game against Minnesota and Ugh. all all the other things. Yeah. So yeah. That's October. Uh, wait till the leaves start to turn before we consider any of those things. Right now, it's about uh, going into this game and playing Ohio the way you're supposed to play Ohio. Yeah, Last they, thing is just your thoughts coming up on what you want to see or what you're expecting this weekend. I think it's going to be hard for Penn State to crush Ohio, but I think Penn State needs to crush Ohio. Like, I, yeah. I just, it's been a while since Penn State has really run it up on anybody like yeah years plural right 2019 uh since since uh, i actually looked it up yesterday they opened with idaho and beat them 77 to 7 or something like that and then they yep. crushed buffalo uh penn state has not had those i think that they've had some opportunities but they haven't done it and so yeah. i just i i really strongly feel that for the depth situation for Comp, comp psyche what i you know i hate yeah. going down the intangibles rabbit hole but just think to feel good going into this auburn game they they really need to maximize the opportunity on saturday this needs to be yeah. a there was a can i can i take a, a slight detour sure. Sure. uh uh when i was a, a youth in my youth i used to play tennis competitively and uh one of the camps that my school sent me to insist, like it was ridiculous. I got there and I was like 14 years old and all of the other campers were 10. <laughs> and one of the things that the instructor of the camp said when it was time to, to play one of these 10 year olds was, Hey, you need to score three points to every one of theirs. If, if they score a point, that means you lost the game, right? That needs to be the mindset in this game is yeah. not only do you need to win, but you got to score three for every one of theirs. Yeah. Uh, and I think if Penn State does that, they'll be happy. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's going to be what we get into for the rest of the week. 
um, coming up here on the BWI Daily Edition and at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. That'll do it for our mailbag show. Thank you to everybody who um, who got in a question. And I'm a people pleaser, so I want to apologize to everybody who did submit a question, took the time to think of something creative, and uh, we didn't get to it today. So I am sorry. I will be uh, sending a handwritten note to everybody to apologize. We'll, we'll still we'll still answer it on the message board. Yeah, we, we absolutely. Just use, we just won't use talking words. Right. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Okay, so that'll do it for the BWI Daily Edition. Nate's back tomorrow. I'll be back on Friday. All this stuff at uh, Blue White Illustrated, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube. Subscribe. 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 We'll talk to you later.